I'm Travis Bozer. I'm Scott Blair. And I'm John Whitten. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Canada, Canada Out, Out of, of the, the Closet. Closet. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of Canada Out of the Closet. My name is Travis Bozer, and with me, as he always is, is my good friend, Mr. John Whitten. Say hello to the folks, John. Hello, folks. John, we're doing something a little bit different today. We are. Switching up the format, and we've actually got a, another guest with us here today who you might be familiar with, listener. Mr. Scott Blair is also here. Say hello to the folks, Scott. Hello, hello folks. folks. Oops, sorry. Hey. Just automatic Yeah, I'll, I'll forgive it this time. He's, he's, he's needy for attention sometimes. We just got to throw him a bone. You is know? this episode all about me? Yeah. <laughs> actually, you know, in a way it is about you. It's actually about John's hetero moment, this beautiful thing that came out of the first episode. And, and, uh, John has some questions that I think you have thought of throughout the process and wanted to ask. And so we got a couple gays here together to answer John's <laughs> queries. If, about... you, if you've not heard a previous episode that where we've referred to John's hetero moment, it's just every now and then I have this aha moment that could be considered a duh moment by certain others, <laughs> sure. but we've called it John, John's hetero moment. And, um, you know, guys, our, our guests have been very open in sharing their stories and being vulnerable. And I feel kind of like this is my turn to be vulnerable in some tiny, tiny little way compared to someone sharing their life story. But, uh, you know, I, I'm open to a- asking some potentially dumb questions here. And, and I'm open to laughing at you when you ask some potentially <laughs> dumb questions. So. How about you, Scott? <laughs> you may well get some dumb answers as well. Yeah. So. Oh, good. Yeah, so we're all being vulnerable to some to degree. To a degree. Yeah. And, you know, I was thinking that this is... Uh, potentially a sort of a microcosm of what our society could be where heteros just to name one group of people could ask questions to learn new things. And, uh, you know, we've been not asking questions for a long time. And so I think we need to be open to a little bit of ribbing. So I'm open to a little fun being poked at me today Good, because that's my MO always. So. Yeah, excellent. <laughs> I, I think it's about time that uh, straight privilege gets turned on its head. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. And, and so I can ask some questions and be vulnerable, and you guys can poke some fun, and we all have a beer after, perhaps. I hope so. That's why I'm here. I thought that was the, like, that's the reason I showed up. So Excellent. Well, let's move ahead with uh, I, what I've been doing is actually jotting down ideas as we've been uh, doing the first half of this first season. We, uh, we've had some things come up that weren't really totally salient to the stories of the people we've been talking with. So instead of you know moving away from their story, we've stayed with their story and I've jotted down some ideas about things we could talk about. I have so many of them that we said, let's just have this John's hetero moment episode. Not only hetero moments, but just questions that I have that I'd like to hear your thoughts on. So shall we go? Let's jump right in. My One of my biggest questions is, what is with society not accepting the LGBTQ lifestyle? And let's just hang on for a second there because I, I, I'm, I'm learning what LGBTQ means. You know, over the years I've learned what each of those letters means. I think maybe not because then there's plus or two plus. And mm-hmm. I don't, do you, can you fill me in on the plus and two plus? I, you know, well, let's just, let me just go through them. Let's see if I've got it right. So lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, 
queer. I've just sort of learned through this season what queer means, mm-hmm. I think, but I'm still slightly unclear on that, just to be honest. So we can fill me fill in on that if you want to. You know, sometimes uh, as and Scott, you might feel the same way, but even as a member of the community, I, I don't even always know. Yeah. Right. Like I try really hard to to keep them all in line, but um, to be respectful to the folks that fall under each letter of the acronym. But um, there's a lot of letters in the acronym, and it's hard to. I, I don't want to say it's hard to keep straight because that's really on the nose, but it's hard to keep in line. Um, there sometimes. have been deletions and additions over the years exactly. that fall out of favor. So I admit I'm not always clear what is the proper one and how do you truncate it sometimes when you don't want to say the whole thing. Well, that's good to hear. Uh, how about the two and two plus? Those are I'm a bit more so the, the two. So yeah, the, your first ones were all right. Like good. I'll, I'll be a teacher for a second and say Thanks. good job. You Thanks. did it right. Yeah. Perfect there. Um, and then the two, uh, the two is for uh, two spirited. Okay. Um, which is through the indigenous population. Um, and oh, by the way, I just heard that on the radio the other day, and I thought, does two spirited mean? All, any of the above or I don't think it means any of the above. I, I, that's a new term to me that I've really started diving into because we've actually just had our first two spirited MP elected uh, out of Edmonton in our federal election last month. So I've really started diving into what exactly that is. And I don't want to say the wrong thing. So I, I don't want to say too much, but um, I think that it has um, it's within the indigenous community and it, I think it, doesn't necessarily mean like you're gay or you're bi or you're trans or any of those things. I think it kind of encompasses um, di- many different things. But like I said, I don't want to speak to that. Do you know anything? Well, more my about understanding that? is it it's not unlike how we would say non-binary, mm. um, or it's a, f- a fluid sort of situation where you're you have two spirits, sort of a male or a female energy that flow and intermingle, perhaps. I admit I'm ignorant, but that's my understanding as far as it goes. Okay. And is there a sense that uh, at some point, LGBTQ, et cetera, et cetera, d- does, is there a sense that there needs to be an end to this or well, else that, it gets too long? So at the end, we have the plus, right? And I, as far as I understand, the plus is to yeah. encompass any everything else, oh, yeah, gotcha. right? So asexual would be another yeah. sexual minority that is included in that plus. Okay. So yeah, so they, just, they eventually put the plus in just to kind of make it so that we're not rambling off 30 yeah. letters. Et cetera. Have to, yeah, right? So I've already interrupted my first question with another question, and now I've got a third question to interject. And that we're going to be here all day, folks. Buckle in. <laughs> Hope you clean your house while you listen to this. You're going to get a lot anybody done. Anybody <laughs> guess that I'm a tangential thinker? The question that jumps to my mind at, at this point in time is, do, is there a, any, any sense that in the gay community – there isn't necessarily acceptance of one of those other letters, like the transgender, like, okay, gay's fine, but transgender, what the heck's that? Do, is, do you ever get that sense from within the gay community? Sometimes. I think it depends who you talk to, right? And I, I think within every community, there is division inside itself, right? I have. Uh, I know very conservative-thinking gay people who take a really conservative view on transgender mm. people and sort of struggle with the veracity of those claims on occasion. That's a pretty extreme example, but I've, I know a gay, a gay fellow in particular who is quite outspoken privately about 
trans rights, and he's not very sympathetic. Okay, from the outside, that strikes me as the same thing, basically, as a hetero person saying, I'm not cool with the gay lifestyle. Mm. Is that is that fair or not? I would think so. Yeah. It's rooted in an ideology that, that views gender as infallibly imbued at birth. It, it stems from a usually some sort of theistic worldview that there are no mistakes. Um, and so Which it, that just baffles me. Like it, yeah. as, as a gay man who's gone through the coming out process and yeah. identifying myself as, as, you know, as a gay man, mm-hmm. like that's the argument that we're always having is exactly. that like I There's was an born analogy there. Way, and then to turn around and think that, and like my thing has always been like, I didn't, I met a transgender person when I was about 24, I think the first time. And up until that point, I had never met um, any that I knew of. I mean, there could have been some of sure. that I wasn't aware. And bless his heart, he let me ask so many questions mm. and be kind of the John in that situation right. of like, I don't understand this. But the thing for me is, is because I'm gay and I went through that and I know what it's like to feel that something about me is not what everyone else wants it to be. Yeah. And I didn't feel that my gender was an issue, but I know what it's like to have that uncertainty. And so to me, it's always given me this natural sympathy that I, or empathy maybe is the better word of, I I don't understand exactly how you feel, but I know what it's like to be in that situation. And, and, and so I, I care about them in that way that, you know, I want them to feel loved and accepted. And the other natural question that leaps to my mind here is, if you're part of the gay community and then it becomes the LG community and then it becomes the LGB community, is there any sense of, well, hold on, this was our thing. And now it's being expanded into LGBTQ two plus people who have an injured left leg. You know, I, I know that's a, a ridiculous yeah. way to place the question, no, but, I know what but you know saying. what I'm saying? Yeah. I don't know. Like I, it's, that's hard for me to answer because I was not, I, I don't think I ever, questioned anything about my identity or went through any of this process before there was all the acronyms. Um, And it's not something that I thought myself, but I I can't speak to. I don't hear a lot of that, but the, the trans community is distinct in a lot of ways from the rest of the queer community, because it's a fundamentally different sort of struggle. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think gender identity is quite a different thing from orientation. And I think it's a lot more difficult. I'm very thankful that's not my struggle because I think it would be a really hard mm-hmm. uh, thing to deal with in this society. And I think that distinction is sometimes lost when we, we jumble all the letters together. I, I'm happy that trans people are within the queer community, but it's quite a distinct um, issue and a lot of the things that those people deal with are a lot harder than what just your garden variety homosexual deals with. So coming all the way back to my original question, what is with society not accepting the LGBTQ2S plus lifestyle? Like, is there inherent prejudice against that community? Or it, I sometimes wonder when I'm just trying to grasp at straws in terms of what is at work here? Is it some deep, historic genetic propagation issue that if if you're not contributing to the 
uh, multiplying of the human race? Does it go back to Cro-Magnon times where we're hardwired to not accept something that won't propagate the human race? I, I don't know. What, what, what are your thoughts? I, I don't know if it's that. I mean, I think that that, that genetic propagation, at some point, maybe that was part of it. Um, I know people, someone in my family, when I was very young, probably about the same time I was starting to realize, like, oh, I might like guys. Um, someone in my family made a comment about, you know, if we were all, uh, well, he didn't say gay, but there's some more derogatory terms there. Yeah. But if we were all gay, that the human race would cease to exist. And, and I, that has always stuck out in my brain, but I don't know. I, I almost wonder if that's just the excuse that people use. Cause it's something they can latch onto and it might not be actually yeah. how they feel. I kind of want to rephrase your question for you, if I may, please uh, do, because there is no one lifestyle with all those represented yeah. people. Um, and also lifestyle versus your your situation of your orientation uh, are two very different things. So do people react to um, men liking men or women liking women? Well, we're or, talking to two men who are gay here, so let's focus the yeah. question laser-like onto that. It, mm -hmm. uh, my thinking is that a lot of the, the reaction stems from lifestyle being interpreted as what you do sexually. I don't think a lot of people are terribly threatened by two men being attracted to each other. They're highly offended by what they might do in the bedroom. The, the, the term lifestyle has almost been weaponized. Absolutely. In a way, right? And I would, I would say that if you really pay attention to where that weaponization is coming from, it really stems back to religion and the church and... Um, and the way that that has influenced, I think, so much of especially our Western world, um, like a lot of our, you know, quote unquote, morals and values that we as a society hold are rooted in the teachings of the church. And I don't say the teachings of the Bible, because to me, what the teachings of the church and the teachings of the Bible are two separate things now. And um, I think a lot of it comes from from that. And it's been weaponized. I mean, um, you know, the, the gays, as they would call us, have always been, you know, Satan coming, coming to earth and our farm kind of thing. And I think that has really contributed to that. Is it fair to distinguish the evangelical or conservative church versus the more liberal or uh, affirming churches that we have in our society? I think that's, I think that's a good point. And I think that, um, I know that's, that's something that we've had uh, some feedback on that uh, you and I have read, John, that, um, you know, that we maybe tend to overgeneralize the church without, um, I don't think that that distinction needs to happen in some ways. And in some ways it does. Like there are churches out there who are more affirming. Um, uh, I'm a member of the United Church of Canada, for example, and that's one that is more affirming. But those churches still have a long ways to go. It's not like we haven't just turned this corner and it's, you know, sunshine and roses now. Yeah, I see it as being a more deeply rooted in history viewpoint. Uh, sure, we have affirming churches in the last generation or two. 
but that's really new. And these sorts of the animus that is is felt towards homosexuality goes back a lot further. And there were no affirming churches when these sorts of viewpoints were really cemented into the mindset of the church at large. So I think you have to go back a little further to see the roots of it. Well, and the fact of the matter is, I mean, you look at our guests have shared their stories yeah. on our podcast and, and you and I both, Scott, and most of our guests we've had have yeah. talked about how the church sure. was such a negative influence yeah. and like really pushed back yeah. against that identity um, crisis, if you want to call it yeah. that. And, and I think that speaks volumes. Like there are instances out there where that's not an issue, but I think in general that has been, has been a pretty big issue. I think this is another prong. There's the religion on the one hand, and the second might stem from that, but I think it's masculinity. And I think it has to do with uh, the threat mm. of the feminine to the masculine. Mm -hmm. I'm really glad you brought that in, Scott, because a wise friend who has listened to this podcast said to me one day, fear of homosexuality in society is tied to the patriarchy. And she referenced the documentary, The Mask You Live In which explores, I haven't seen it yet, I will, but it explores how our culture's narrow definition of masculinity is harming our boys, men, and society at large. So what do you think about that and how that ties in? I think that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> that's what I think. Uh, no, but we could talk about it still. I just, I, I have so many thoughts about masculinity culture and um, it's, yeah. I've, I've a, uh my way of sort of viewing it is you can assume that it's a matter of religion, but we all know the case of Matthew Shepard, who, who was murdered simply for being, you know, um, a sensitive gay boy. And I'm I, just going to ask you to pause there because yeah. we don't all know that story mm -hmm. and we all should know that story. Can you give us a 20 second synopsis? Uh, this is a, young man, I think he was about 20, lived in rural Wyoming. He was a college student. And he was out um, at, a, at a bar in a small town. And a group of young men uh, detected he was gay. And they beat him and left him for dead outside after, I believe they dragged him behind a vehicle as a form of torture, tied him up to a fence post and left him to die, and he did die. And their motivation was purely because he was in their eyes a faggot. And he was that was worth killing him over. Um, if your morality is based in some sort of Christian framework, no matter how much you hate gay people, you're not going to kill them. So there's something else at work. And how does that tie into the masculinity question? Well, I think that's... If you're not doing it for a moral reason, you're not trying to please God, then you're just purely threatened by him. Mm. There's something about the man who loves a man that is threatening to you in that situation. And it's, it's, it's so terrifying to you, you need to kill these people. I don't understand that mindset, but I don't know where else it could come from. And I, I don't even think that that's something that's specific to you know, for us as growing up as gay men, like, I don't think that's even something that's specific to our story. Like True. any, any boy who grows up and is sensitive to anything. Yeah. Right. Like I was bullied as a kid and struggled with it immensely. And all the adults in my life said, 
you have to man up and deal with this and quit crying about this and quit. Like I, I had a bad temper at the time, which contributed to it. And because I was so mad because nobody would listen to me when I said, this is like going to school is hell for me. And, and so I would lash out about it. And all I was ever told was to man up, man up, man Mm -hmm. up. Right. And that didn't even play into that. I mean, it played into me then going, well, if I'm gay, like, can I man up too? But, but like, it's, we have that. And then, I mean, we talk all the time about, um, the mental health crisis that is particularly evident in the male gender. Right. And, but that that's contributing to that kind right. of thing too. And so I think that's, that's not even just a problem for gay men. That's a problem for men everywhere. Yeah. Like is that we need to, that patriarchy needs to just screw right off. <laughs> <laughs> but we all know that humans take a long time to yeah. change. Yeah, exactly. As we interview people, I seem to dance my way tiptoe through questions all the time, but you seem to just blast away. And I admire that uh, because you get right to the point. I, am I being over careful? Like, I'm I always very sensitive that I don't, I don't trip that, on me. I don't think that I blast away. Like, I overthink them too. Oh, good. And I will, like, I mean, we, we have a Google Doc that we have questions in that you and I both access during the interview. And like the night before, I'll sit there and look at all of them and I'll reword a couple and I'll do things. In the moment, maybe I blast away more. Um, and I think that just comes from the difference in how you and I can approach this conversation, right? Like I've... You've, I've, had, you've had a lot more time to think about it. I've had things. a lot more time to think about it. And I don't want to say completely that I've lived what these people have lived, but I've lived closer at least hmm. to what these people have lived. And um, I'm very much like I'm a... I'm, a storyteller type of thinker and I connect. So when I, that, that's why our podcast is conversational. I, when I talk to people about you know, what's going on in their life, I connect it back to my life. And that's part of the problem for me is I talk about myself too much sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that you both consider me an ally and I'm proud to have that term associated with me in this regard. But as I, as I was thinking the other day about the word ally, it, implies a battle or a war typically and historically are we at war with something or someone here the patriarchy (laughs) (laughs) if i can tie it back to that sometimes yeah there are certain people who are particularly assaulted by um viewpoints i mean hatred towards gay people that feels like a war when you're in that position, I'm sure. Um, societally, I think there's a big battle being waged that's lessening or slackening, I would say, as in Western culture anyways. Um, it, is, it is and it isn't, right? Like in, it is here. For sure, Like in yeah. Canada, we yeah. feel pretty lucky that like, yeah. like even if we had... Um, even if we had a conservative government got elected tomorrow, yeah, yeah. I think that it would take a lot. Yeah. If, if there was folks, I don't think the conservative party other than the, um, um, I think that the conservative party in itself, I mean, there are some folks that voted, um, against the conversion therapy ban. I know that's something that I've mentioned before and I keep coming back to on the show. Um, 
I'm going to interrupt you there for a sec because we hear conservative politicians saying, well, it was because it wasn't worded properly. Is oh, that an excuse? Our, no, our MP knocked on my door. Our MP voted against it where we live, and he, it, during the election, knocked on my door and got a real earful from me. That's just like because they voted against it that we shouldn't have a conversion therapy ban because it goes against, um, I don't want to just be going back to the church, but it goes against what they see as a freedom of the church to fight homosexuality and fight like, and, but the conservative party as a whole, I don't think in Canada really wants, like, I don't think they're going to roll back like gay marriage or um, anything like that. Now we have the people's party of Canada, which runs, which is much more vocal. Um, And I think we saw last month when there was an election that like Canada wasn't here for that. So like that gives me hope about Canada, but there are Western societies like the United States that vote a guy like Trump in and all of the garbage that comes out of that. And I mean, even specifically to LGBTQ, like it, people, it, it's, um, so I, I think we are, the war's not, the war is so far from no. over here. Yeah. We've, I've heard people say, um, you know, why do we have pride? We've won that war. And I don't think that's the case. Um, yeah, we're a lot further along, especially in places like Canada, Sweden. But there's a lot of progress to be made in terms of getting equality and just respect for sexual minorities. And I, I like that you mentioned, Scott, um, at, when you first answered that, you know, we do have folks that maybe specifically are more fighting a more evident war if they've been, right. you know, assaulted or attacked or yeah. something for who they are. But I think the war looks different for all of us, right? Like, I have been discriminated against because of who I am. Uh, the, the thing that I always say is people, it's hard for me because the war, I think, is more, like, internal sometimes even, too, that, um, you know, I come from a really conservative town, uh, small town. My f- Most of my family vote for the conservative party. And I don't want to just harp on the conservative party, but I mean, it, the, the point that I'm making is, is that they vote conservative for a number of other reasons, whether it's the fiscal reasons or the whatever, right. Or the conservative party seems to be more about the oil, which they like or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, the, the internal war for me is trying to like be at peace with that because they're also voting for somebody who voted against a conversion therapy ban. And I'm someone that had someone hand me a pamphlet once for conversion therapy and suggest that I do that. And so it's more personal for me, but that like, that's where the war comes is that like, it's not just about fighting a battle. It's also about just getting people to understand that like these issues are also important and should affect your, your vote or affect your, way of thinking or effect like it's not just about whatever reasons you have to support something when it's hurting somebody else in a way conversion therapy reminds me that um in my journey to become more of an ally i've tried to be more open to all kinds of um thinking including our public library did a wonderful thing three i think it was three years ago in Pride Week, they offered a different film every day, and I went to every one of them, 
Five five straight films. I do. Re- oh, I guess I, I recall not straight films, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> so you and that a straight agenda over there again. Just <laughs> I right. tried. To, I tried to slip it in. No, I caught myself. Yeah, I actually. I have to say, I remember that because uh, you had messaged uh, Curtis, my fiance, and I a couple times to say, "Hey, you should come. Like, we're going to go see this movie. You should come with us." And we were just. It just so happened that we were busy every night, and at the end sure. of the week, yeah. Sure. <laughs> but at the end of the week, we were sitting there and we were like, "How terrible is this that like our straight friend has been saying, <laughs> let's go to this pride thing, and we've just been like, nope, we're too busy." <laughs> <laughs> and we had a good laugh about that. So I, I, I completely missed that. So you're off the hook. I, I found a, I found a, a hetero friend who was happy to go with me. So. Good. But uh, the, the films uh, makes me wonder. Uh, can you guess which films I watched? You probably remember them, right? I know one because Love Simon would have been playing at the time. That was one of the most yeah. striking ones to me. And, and the each one had an eye opening John's hetero moment. And that one was just I assumed that that film was made a long time ago because this person was struggling with coming out in a, in a high school. And so I thought, Oh, this must be 20 years old if they were struggling coming out. And then they've all got phones in their hands and they're using, you know, modern technology. And I thought, so it's still hard to come out in high school. I thought we were past that. Do you know what the great thing about that movie was, is that it did not matter where you were at in your coming out process. Or if you came out yesterday or 20 years ago, that it was so relatable, that movie. Like Curtis and I were, we went to see it in, in theaters and um, <laughs> we did some ugly crying in the back of the theater. And like it, it, so much of what happened in that resonated with us, even, you know, when we were pushing 30. And we, even though it was about a high school story, because we didn't have that when we were in high school, we didn't have that story or that. I, I read a lot of, um, of LGBTQ themed uh, young adult novels now. And I said to my therapist not that long ago, I said, why am I reading all these? Why am I so interested in young adult? Like I should be reading above that. And she said to me, you're doing that now because you didn't have that Mm. when you were 15, 16 and needed that. And so now your brain is going, I need to read those stories because you see yourself in that, even though you're now 30 and engaged to somebody and like your life has kind of come to where the kids in those stories want you to go. Yeah. Like, um, you still are craving that because you didn't have it. And I think that's what that, the beauty of love Simon was, is that we all got something from that. And it was the first kind of mainstream movie that we got to watch and see our own story. in. yeah, that's the value in it is that it's, I'll, I'll this might be, um, heresy to say, but I thought it was not a very good movie. Well, that's was, been Scott's time here. So. <laughs> Thanks for joining us yeah. today. Um, I'm a bit of a snob when it comes to movies. Not that I have great taste, but I don't like the average or the pedestrian. And I found it pretty average and pedestrian. It just happened to be a teen movie with an okay script that had a gay character at its center. And that's where its value came. It was just an average okay movie. When you're not wrong, like when you look at it as a movie itself and yeah. take away that, yeah. right? Like that is definitely... Yeah. It didn't blow yeah. me away. But the difference is that, oh yeah, like the kid's gay. Um, who cares? In a way, that's where we want to get to, where you can just throw anybody into the lead role of a movie and if they're gay or straight, no one cares either way. This just, that's the story. I guess 
to focus my question more, I never did really ask you a question about this. And maybe the, maybe the question... <laughs> we just, we just, we just pontificated. It is yeah. good. I like that. As gay men, are, there's two parts to this question. As gay men, are there movies that have been very important? And let's expand this to musical theater, theater, opera, whatever the case may be. Are there productions that have been very important to you to see and help you um, move through your life? And are there other, or maybe the same ones, that you feel are important for the straight community to see to help them understand some aspect of your lives? For myself, I don't think there's a many movies that I've seen that I would call important, either in my journey or for straight people to see that would give them sort of insight. But there's a lot of them that I've watched and really enjoyed. In part, it's because, oh, here's a movie that has characters I identify with in a really deep way. And sometimes they're trashy and silly, and sometimes they're just beautiful and well-produced. Uh, Call Me By Your Name was one I really loved. Not that it was super profound, but it was beautiful, had beautiful men to look at. I can second that. Yeah. But I mean, and that had a little twist at the end that I thought was really poignant where, spoiler alert, but if you haven't seen it, where have you been? Where the father of, of the main character hints that his own attractions may not be so straight. Mm. And I thought that was handled very subtly and very beautifully. Uh, and sort of gives you a really interesting insight into the rest of the movie from a different lens suddenly. And I really like that as an artistic choice. I thought it was great. I, uh, there's nothing that's really poignant, I think, about a lot of the movies. Like, I, like you said, right? Like you're watching them because it's, it's a gay character. Yeah. It's maybe the boys are cute. Like whatever it is. And uh, Curtis and I have this game where we like to watch the really crappy, like independent gay movies that are on like Amazon prime or whatever. And we just make fun of them because they're horrible movies. Some are just dreadful. Right. And it's like, these were clearly made because that guy's got like an eight pack and and we can take our shirt off and show it like that's right. And um, I will say uh, that there's one movie that I just love so much and it's a it was a play first it was called mambo italiano and it was written by a, a canadian fellow from montreal who um it takes place in an italian family in montreal and uh he reconnects with a friend from his childhood and they fall in love mm. and end up in a relationship and then have to come out to their families and it's all like the italian catholic like right. stereotypical and it's just hilarious and the movie version that they did mary walsh plays one of the moms and i will watch mary walsh read Mm. the phone book like i it so um i do like that and it's got some really the play specifically because i bought the script a few years ago has some really poignant moments Mm. of one of the characters not the main character but the fellow that he's with is really struggling with the internal homophobia and his dad has passed away and his dad didn't know about Mm. him but was very macho so welcome back to the patriarchy and like and so there's some really beautiful things that um that happen in that as well there are two films that i've watched in the last couple of years that have had a pretty profound effect on me in terms of conversion therapy because i didn't know very much about that uh, full disclosure, I'm terrible at remembering the names of movies, so you'll probably remember. I think one was Boy Raced because I think right. we talked about that. That's right. Oh, yeah. the other one is The Miseducation of Cameron Post. 
one male perspective, one female perspective. Mm-hmm. And uh, so are, are those important films for... Boy Erased was very... Um, I really liked that film. It really dives into that experience of being put through that from that perspective. And a great um, nuance between the father and son character. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the acting was oh, yeah. brilliant. Name the two actors. They're great. Uh, Lucas Hedges plays the, right. the son. I can't remember the character's name. And, and the it was Russell Crowe yes. was the father. And Nicole Kidman played the mother. Oh, yeah. And it was really well done. Um, so you'd recommend this? I would recommend okay. that movie. And, and it, yeah, it's a hard watch. Like, it is yeah. very difficult to watch. But I think it also would really help someone who doesn't understand understand what... Right. what that's like and have you so, seen cameron post i haven't seen that i've one. not seen that okay one. no any other ones that yeah there's one that i saw years ago and i just recently watched and i found it really profound uh prayers for bobby uh starring sigourney weaver so top talent there it's about a young man who discovers he's gay and is very conflicted about that because he grows up in a really conservative christian household but he does come out to his mom and dad and his mom just becomes a prayer warrior trying to fix this and they send him to conversion therapy and she's just immovable in that you have to do this, you know, God will come through for you and God did not come through for him and uh, the kid takes his own life. And of course this devastates the mom and she just does a complete 180 uh, through having a breakdown and reaching out to, to a church that happened to be affirming and she became a real advocate for... Uh, the banning of conversion therapy and started, this is based on a true story. And she started a society that was there to be moms for kids whose moms weren't there for them and really powerful. Um, I think it's a great example of how people can change. Um, One of the important lessons there is that you're often only homophobic until it's someone, you know, um, mm. sometimes that doesn't always turn around, but I think sometimes it does. And that's, mm-hmm. that's a good thing to, yeah, that's a good one that interesting has hope. Okay. One I need to ask about, because I've spoken probably with you about before one of you, maybe both of you before okay, if several, you're, I just need to say, if you're gay and you're listening to this, you know exactly yeah, what's coming, what's coming right now. <laughs> and I've spoken with several other gay friends of mine in the past about Brokeback Mountain. Yeah. And and I remember the first time it came up, I was like, oh, wasn't that the greatest film ever? Because for me, it was fairly pivotal because mm. it was the first time I really recognized this situation as a true tragedy, a Shakespearean level tragedy that right. these guys were in absolute love with each other and they could not be together. I yeah. thought, what unrequited love, it doesn't get worse than this, does it? But then... That's not the reaction I got out of my friends. And so you're going to tell me about this now, aren't you? It's not that popular of a movie in our community. Um, no, I don't get that. Because I think, okay, I, I think, this is, no, this is, this is this us. Way. This is our lifestyle. This is our tragedy, no? Yeah. It, that film, I think in it, when it came out, which was 15, 16 At years least, ago, something yeah. like that, it, I think, served a purpose at the time because it was one of the first, I don't think it was like mainstream. I think it was still an independent movie, but it was one it of the- It had broad release though. Yeah, and it was like Oscar contending, yeah. like all those things. So it was one of the first kind of broad release big movies that really, really focused on that kind of story. I 
I'm not a fan of it. I cringe. I mean, I'll just be honest. And like, I watched that movie when I was like 14, when it came out and was trying to figure out who I was. Mm. And there was two guys that were relatively good. Mom, close your ears. Don't listen to this. There was two guys that were relatively good looking. And, and uh, like, I watched it for those purposes. And then, um, you know, <laughs> so, uh, but like, I don't, that's, I never, I've watched it again as an adult who's out and it doesn't hold anything for me. I don't know if it's different for you, but. I didn't see it when it came out. I saw it much later. I remember, I think it was on Netflix. This is probably only seven or eight years ago. I saw it for the first time thinking I've got to watch this seminal work of gay cinema. And I did not like it. I came away thinking, oh, brother, what was that? Well, part of the problem was it was filmed locally in the mountains here. And mm. as a hiker, I kept thinking, oh, that's not Montana. That's just down the highway where I go all the time. <laughs> so it kind of took me out of the movie. And I, my main problem with it was that these men were just so emotionally closed off. And I had this discussion with a friend just this weekend, and I had a, a real epiphany. Because I had said to him, I don't get these guys. Uh, they were so closed off from their emotions. Why can't they just be honest? Why can't they just look at each other and say, yeah, I love you? And my friend said, that's the point. Uh, they, they couldn't open themselves in that way. Of course, it took place in a time which was less enlightened than we are now. Yeah. And me as an individual, I do not struggle with vulnerability and emotional openness. That's a fault of mine, if anything. And so reevaluating it from that viewpoint, that is the tragedy that they couldn't be honest with themselves. And now I'm thinking, okay, maybe there's something there that's, that's deeper than I took. Because, because my ease with being sort of open to my own feelings isn't universal. And especially at that time, in that situation, there is no chance that they could could open up their minds in that way. So. And, and that's what's really part of what really struck me. Yeah. To me, it was as much about them not being allowed or enabled yeah. to be together. And but I found it upsetting that society had set up this um, taboo yeah. that didn't allow them, yeah. as you say, to even admit their yeah. their tr their complete feelings to each other. But for me more that they just couldn't even be together. Right. I'm starting to feel like I need to watch this movie well, again. <laughs> like yeah. this year you talk about it like that. I'm like, geez, you know, I mean, I knew that was the story. Yeah. Right. But I just, maybe I was so yeah. turned off by other yeah. things in it that I didn't allow myself to see it that way. And I think it, it goes beyond just sexual orientation in their specific case, because it goes back to the whole masculinity thing as well, where they had to preserve their masculinity and, and to admit where their true, affections lay it was sort of an impossible situation in rural Montana. So I, I have a little more sympathy for it now upon this reflection. Um, I still don't think I'll love it, but I can see the value in it. I feel like I just had an epiphany, like even just listening to you say like rural Montana, like I grew up in rural Saskatchewan. Yeah. Like you think I would have identified with right, it. More, yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> exactly. Like, so maybe I was not watching it for the right yeah, reasons. Yeah. Or like, um, okay, this this is a little aside on the same topic, the same film, but uh, this may be John's hetero moment. Oh, speaking of which, I was going to ask if during this just once when we say John's hetero moment, could it have a little reverb? Can we put a little reverb? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, here it. we It'll go. Put so, a little reverb in. so this might just be John's hetero moment. 
but I was, I was, I have to admit that I squirmed a little bit during the physical scene in Brokeback Mountain. And I assume that you do not squirm at hetero love scenes. In, yes, I do. Do, do not you? assume. Oh, that's no, interesting. No, I don't. I don't, I don't care. I, it's what it is. I, I always say that's the straight agenda, right? Like everyone wants to talk about the gay agenda. And I'm like, you know, put your vagina away. I don't need to see that. <laughs> like, I don't need those boobies. Put them away. <laughs> like, um, no, I don't. I don't. I don't squirm in love scenes, but that's I. I've assumed that that's a product of my past homophobia. Would you agree? It's just what you're exposed to. Yeah. Uh, I, I, Travis and I don't squirm at straight love scenes because we've seen that our entire lives. Okay. I mean, maybe not explicit, not love graphically, scenes, but, but like, I mean, you can't watch yeah. like any TV yeah. show. Yeah, the idea of mommy kissing daddy yeah. is not foreign. No. Nor is it wrong. Of course it's not wrong. I mean... But that's interesting that to you, of course it's not wrong, but to many straight people, right. of course... But it's because... It's like I said, wrong. I mean, I laughed about it, but it, it's that... The, and I'm using giant air quotes here. The gay agenda of... Like, that's what they weaponize yeah, that yeah. with, is that like us having even a gay character in a TV show is the gay agenda coming after our children and um, stuff like that. And I um, I asked, we have a municipal election in Alberta coming up, and I asked a question about, on a public forum a couple weeks ago, to our school board candidates saying, you know, what are you going to do? Because our Alberta government kind of rolled back some rights, like we talked about with Janice in the second episode. So at the school board level, what are you going to do to protect our LGBTQ kids? And the Concerned Parents of Alberta page shared my post and said, this is something to watch if you want to know who's coming after our children to radicalize them. And um, But that's the thing is it gets weaponized that way of this gay agenda. And that's yeah. what we're, and like, I'm like, what's the joke I saw about like, um, you know, you talk about the gay agenda, but when's the last time two guys knocked on your door and asked to share the good news of yeah. Elton John? Like it's, yeah. there's no gay agenda. <laughs> yeah. When I get a copy, I'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to change gears here and ask this question. What is the most annoying thing that straight people do or assume? Don't use my name specifically. <laughs> Um, so who's the woman in your relationship? That's a good one. I hate um, that. Or who's the, now that we have modern family, people will even go more specific and be like, who's the cam and oh, who's yeah, the Mitch right. in your relationship? Yeah. Um, I think the assumption that I have fashion sense is ridiculous. I wish I had fashion sense, but I go to the store and think, what can I buy that will make me look fabulous? And I have no clue. So I have disappointed so many girls when I like meet them and like right. you become friends and they're like, yeah. Oh, you're my gay friend that yeah. I'm going to take to the mall. And I am kind of a drag yeah. at the mall. Like when I shop, I'm, I go in, I know what I want. I go get it and I leave. Oh yeah. Like Sh I'm not about like window shopping. Shopping or, is the worst. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm not, and people, I think I've broken a lot of female yeah. hearts doing that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I mean, that, that's annoying, but benign. Um, if I may get serious, um, the worst assumption that I've come across is that I would choose this. Mm. That's, and that's from a, a smaller and smaller spectrum of people, I think now, but that still persists. And that's the one that I was subject to at one point. And so that one really gets under my skin. I feel like you must be looking over my shoulder at my questions that I have written down here because <laughs> the, the next question I have is that my cousin who listened to a couple of episodes asked a great question after listening to our first episode. He said, and I quote, 
I was waiting for a question to be asked about how outside forces influence sexuality. Much is said by the ignorant that sexuality is a choice and one can be turned gay by being around it. Clearly, Travis, he says, who grew up in a town the size of a table, quote, <laughs> was not surrounded by gay people and is a great example of this falsehood. What would what would Travis and Scott say about that, he asks. Yeah, I I mean, uh, he's not wrong. I, I grew up in a town that uh, I, I like to make fun of it and say that it's the size of a table or that it's um, sometimes I'll talk about it being backwater. Um, and I'll tell you, even just doing this project the amount of people from my hometown that have become listeners and reached out to me mm. and have had some really great conversations with some folks that some that I expected and then some that have just completely surprised me um, with how open they are to hearing these stories. And, um, and that's fantastic. Um, but I like to make fun of it, but I mean, at the end of the day, like I, I did have, there was some gay people around or it was rumored or whatever. Like I, I did see it. It wasn't like I was just completely cut off from it, but it was definitely like always addressed as a taboo thing. Like you shouldn't be this, you shouldn't, you know? Um, and I mean, that is the case in point. Like I didn't grow up with, you know, gay clubs in my town or drag right. shows happening or any of those stereotypically gay things around me. And as I hit puberty went, I don't like boobies. Yeah. <laughs> so like something's up here and like, it's, it's, you are, I, that whole choice thing just absurds me. I mean, who would, who would choose it is what exactly, I always say, yeah. right? Like who would choose to live this life where you're going to be in fear at times and you're going to be always concerned and never yeah. be able to put your guard down. And like, why would I choose that? And, um, and that's the thing for me is it's, there's no, I mean, case in point, we were talking about Brokeback Mountain. I had a copy of Brokeback Mountain in high school, and that was like contraband. Like, I went on a trip into the city without my parents, and I went to the store, and I bought that film, right. and I hid it in a bag, like yeah. in between clothes or something. I brought it home, and I like put it away in a cupboard in my bedroom, and yeah. like did not, nobody knew I had that yeah. movie. And um, like, that's the kind of thing. Like, it was, there was no easy access to anything, and I'm still still here still like yeah. still like guys so even the notion that it's a choice is, is so patently ridiculous if you take a few moments to even consider it which a lot of people don't uh if you're going to ask what are the origins well we don't know i'm convinced it's biological whether it's genetic or hormonal i don't have a clue but i sense it's 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 nature far more than nurture there's one last question that uh, I really want to squeeze in here, and we could probably talk for an hour, but we'll have to try and crunch it down. But that's the the concept of gaydar. Oh, no. And we, we've brushed up against stereotyping, particularly when you were talking about what annoys you about straight people sometimes. Brushed up on stereotyping, and I want to be very careful. Here goes my tippy-toeing around the question. <laughs> but I... I have to be totally honest. I feel like, I, okay, I wouldn't say that I can identify anybody in a lineup who talks to me who's gay. That would be ridiculous. But there are certain people in my life who I have met who I feel confident some somehow, and maybe I need to correct this and say, no, this is not on at all. 
but I feel like I can confidently say, I'm pretty certain that guy is gay. Now, where that comes from, I don't know. And I'd be happy to just say, no, it's not a thing. Except then I hear some of our guests, several of our guests have said uh, that they've indicated that gaydar seems to be a thing. One said, well, if you haven't guessed by now, by seeing me or listening to me that I'm gay, then you've missed something. So to me, that's a, a gay man saying gaydar is a thing. So let's talk about this. Well, we can't just give away all our secrets. I mean, because then our Lord Elton John will come down and revoke our gay cards. So I can't. Um, Elton no. John's gay. I, well, I guess your gaydar yeah. doesn't work. Yeah. So here's the thing, John. You don't actually have it. It's uh, No, the gaydar thing is, um, I, I mean, I joke about it a lot, too, all the time. and But I do think it's a thing sometimes i mean it it's hard because it, i don't want to play into the stereotypes yeah it feels like it's a thing or are you just being observant and they're giving you the tells that you need um i don't know it, 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 i think the real test is when you encounter someone who has no outward signs we have a mutual friend you know who i'm thinking about mm -hmm. and if you can tell someone like that and you're just you just have that gut feeling that's one thing but if if you if you're basing it off of indications that meet stereotypes. I don't think that's truly gaydar. I think it's just noticing the facts. I admit, I don't think I have very good gaydar at all. I just, I can hear gay voice. Sometimes I think I can detect gay face, but that's just using but, the but facts. But those, those two things are in existence. I, I think your... gay voice is a thing. Gay face is debatable. <laughs> I, I have a friend who bugs me because she'll be kind of like, I mean, she's single. And so when she's yeah. like meeting a guy or talking to a guy or whatever, she'll say, um, you know, what do you think about this guy? And it might be someone that I know. And then I'll say, I want to steer clear of that. There's, right, yeah. there's some internal things happening or, you know, and she always laughs. And then one day she said to me, well, you just think everyone's gay. And I was like, well, no, but like, I've also been pretty accurate. So let's just right. <laughs> like, but for me, it's not about, I mean, the stereotype, like the stereotyping thing is, is, I'm not even going to pretend and say it's not part of it. Right? Yeah. Like we, yeah. you'd see a stereotypical. Yeah. Maybe he's and, metrosexual, yeah, but he's probably but he's gay. Probably <laughs> gay. Right. And, and I totally missed that reference. Metrosexual. John, that was 1990s. That really, you don't know that. <laughs> if you could, if you could see kind audience, well, the eye rolls that I'm getting right now. <laughs> um, a metrosexual is uh, a male who is straight, but, in some ways, stereotypically, would present as gay in the sense that, like, they really care about their fashion. In a nutshell, is he gay or is he just European? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I get that reference. I've seen that. There That's you go. from. That's uh, very good. A musical. Is it? Yes. It's just common knowledge. Yeah. Is he gay or European? Is a song in. I don't know I don't that know. one. Um, With the UPS guy. Revoke my gay card, but I am not a musical theater fan, so. Okay. You've tried to revoke just, my gay card before, and you're just going to throw this out now? Yeah, like, I'm, getting, I'm actually, we're going to be having a full discussion about this I'm getting after. daggers from t Travis. <laughs> Anyways, we digress um, again. For me, it, I mean, the stereotypes, like I said, they play into it. I find that my gaydar is also about what a person's not doing or what a person Ooh. is. Like, it's not about stereotypical things, but like if I'm having a conversation with somebody... And like, I work with kids, right? Like I'm a teacher. And so I've had conversations with students where you can see in a whole 
circle of people. Mm. Everyone's talking about the boy that they like or right. the girl that they like or whatever. And there's one student who is noticeably absent. And then there might be something else that they do that like, and so it's, it's not just about stereotypes. It's also about what is someone saying? Yeah. What are they leaving out? What are they hesitant about? What? Like you can read into those things right. too. And that's often where I'll say, I think there's, and I don't, I won't be like, Oh, you're gay, but I'll just yeah. be like, I'll make a note of it. Like you're struggling and I'm going to do what I can to subtly let you know yeah. that this is a safe person that you can like ex- express yourself to. Um, and that's really worked for me and worked for them in a sense. Yeah. I've had a few people, students and and not students that have, have been able to come out to me and have that conversation. Mm. And, and so that's what I mean for me. It's about the, it's about subtle things as well. Legally Blonde was the musical, by the way, that I was trying oh, okay. to dredge. Great. It's a pretty funny song. <laughs> I think, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> I would, I would just say for me, Gaydar is more about keen observation and an understanding of what the probable tells are of being homosexual. And I, this might be stereotyping too, but I, I don't know, Scott, I feel like we have an advantage. Oh yeah. Right. Like, because somebody like John yeah. doesn't, hasn't been through that yeah, experience. Yeah. And so right. doesn't know Our powers what to are look more for honed. other than the stereotype. Yeah. Right. And so there are people that would say that straight people don't have gaydar. I've heard that said, I don't think that's really a fact, but it's nice to think it's our superpower. Okay. <laughs> well, again, caveat, I feel like I'm, I try really hard not to stereotype in my life, and I hope I'm successful at that. But it seems to me I'm hearing that there are some traits that could be attached to gay men particularly, which leads me to a question that one of our listeners, I asked a few listeners, is there anything you would like to include in my hetero questions in this episode? Are you saying there's questions that are not on my prepared sheet? Exactly. You sneaky... This is not scripted. <laughs> Entirely. None of Entirely. this none of this has actually been scripted. We agreed on a few questions, but the uh the person said could that type of trait that we might associate with a, a, a gay man be a way for gay men in the past particularly but maybe continuing through today to communicate to other gay men that I'm gay. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's my thinking. Really? I'd never thought about that before. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, you think about uh, when Bob was with us a couple episodes ago and talked about Paul Lind in the 60s, right? And like he, I, I would, I, I do not know Paul Lind. I didn't know him, obviously. Um, I like, but he probably was. <laughs> trying that was his way to let everyone know like without telling them like this is who i am yeah and i would think i would think that that definitely is a thing um can i just say one other thing that i concerns me about the stereotyping sometimes is and that people will say that they know people who when they were in the closet were probably like straight passing or mostly straight passing. Mm. And then they come out and they're all of a sudden flamboyant. And, and then I've heard people say, well, it's so annoying that they do that. Right. Because you're just trying to, and I would venture to guess that like who they are now as the flamboyant person is probably who they've always been. And 
they've actually been acting for <laughs> right. like, say they're 20. Yeah. That first 20 years is taking everything in them not to be that. And now they're allowed to be who they are. So it, it's all how you view it that way. Yeah. Too. I, I, I think sometimes the coming out, coming out process allows you the freedom then to let all your guards down so that who you really are comes out. But I think that's just the side of that where I think a lot of it can be affectation. I'm in my life. I don't think I'm all that obvious, but when I want to be, Oh yeah, I can turn it on. And there's no question. If I'm at the grocery store, you know, squeezing melons, um, <laughs> that's not and, gay. I just, no, 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 no. <laughs> Bad choice. Uh, choosing a cucumber. <laughs> I, and I see someone who I think, oh, he's cute. I wonder, I will turn it up a little hmm. and see if I get a reaction or a checkout or whatever. It doesn't never works, frankly, but it, it, you know, it's a strategy. I think it is a strategy to subtly communicate. I mean, if you walk past the street, I don't know who, who I'm talking to right now, but when you, when you meet a man's gaze as you're passing and you get a certain kind of return of gaze, you know. Now, you probably don't do that, John, because that's just not your MO. But right. Even I, if I don't get the gaze, though, I just assume that they're gay. <laughs> like, I, you know how we always say, of, like, yeah. like, straight is the default for our society? Yeah. But for me, the default is always yeah. gay. I have and that, I'm like, too. And it's the better looking they <laughs> yeah. are, the gayer they <laughs> yeah. are. Yeah. Please, Lord, let him be yeah. gay. <laughs> and I mean, now I'm taken, so I can't do that. But I always say to Curtis, I, I'm just reading the menu. I'm not oh, ordering. The right? art of the <laughs> checkout is finely honed in many gay men. <laughs> I dated a guy once who got mad at me because he caught me. We were at a restaurant, like, sitting across from right. each other. And this really good-looking guy came, like, kind of from behind me. And then when he was walking, like, I totally checked his butt out, like, naturally. <laughs> and the guy I was dating at the time was like, oh, I can't believe you'd do that, like, right in front of me. And I'm like... If he was walking the other way, yeah. like that was a nice bump. You would have yeah. checked it out too. <laughs> like, One cannot be blamed. Yeah. Okay, Sorry, gentlemen, focus, focus. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. I have a final question for you. <laughs> of course. In the, in this same vein, uh, and coming back to the movie thing a little bit, uh, is Robin Williams in Birdcage offensive? Because he's playing up some of those stereotypes? Robin Williams doesn't really play up the stereotype though. Does he? Like, isn't Nathan Lane the one that plays up the stereotype? Uh, well, I guess Robin Williams He's pretty too. camp. You know what? I, this is my thing. I struggle with that movie. I love that movie. And I do too, but I wonder... If... And I will watch anything that yeah. either of those gentlemen do. Yeah. Like, I... Um, but I... I find that movie is... That's not a movie that I would recommend to straight people as, like, a dip your toes right, yeah. in the gay cinema with that movie because there is a lot of stereotyping in it. But within the community, you can watch that and maybe look past it. I need you to clarify your question because are you asking, is the representation of the gay stereotype the problem or is it that a straight man is affecting those? Are those both what you're asking? Exactly. Um, the former question, I think there's a huge tradition of that. Um, the Jack character on Will and Grace is as camp as they come. And, and we love him. And the, <laughs> the actor is gay, is gay, but at the time wasn't out. Publicly, right. Well, that, right. Yeah, so, yeah. but, but I mean, it's still a gay man playing a gay man. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, David Hyde Pierce in mm. Frasier is a more subtle version of that. The prissy 
um, fastidious, well-groomed man. See, see, I like I have fan theories that he was actually gay, and the whole Daphne thing was like. Oh, that's right. a great theory. Right? Yeah. I like. Yeah. I said that even when I was like ten years old, my parents yeah. were watching that. I was like, yeah. Mm. "Oh yeah, no, that, that, that's an enigma wrapped in a big yeah. question." So, <laughs> yeah. But I think the camp stereotype is a hoot. It's fun. I love it. I don't really find it problematic, but it can be. But when the straights appropriate our culture, I'm not terribly offended. But I can see where people don't love that. And that's the thing. I can see that too. I can see where it comes that way. I have never been one, and this is probably going to be controversial and I'll send me your emails, whatever. But like, I've never been one to get upset about like a straight person playing a gay person right. or cause then if you're going to play that game, then should a gay person be allowed to play a straight exactly. person? I know. Should, right? right. Like, and to me it's about, and I mean, I'm an amateur actor that does community theater but to me it's about like the acting performance and you are acting and like i know people will boycott modern family because um eric stone street's not gay and Mm -hmm. he's playing cam who's the more flamboyant yeah right and i'm just like what's the process there like did he do some homework did he talk to some folks did he you know and frankly he does it pretty well yeah and it's very entertaining yeah. i mean i challenge you as a gay person not you because i know you're <laughs> not you scott but like i challenge any gay person to watch him lift that baby up while circle of life is playing and not die laughing right. at that <laughs> like, but yeah i i don't i can see how it could be offensive but it's not something that's offended me personally yeah and we're moving into a little bit of the cancel culture theory exactly, exactly. Right? yeah yeah, yeah. And you can divide those lines infinitely if you want to go down that and road. And as we head that direction, we should probably wrap up this episode, what? shouldn't we? Already? This was so much fun, though. We yes. haven't solved all of our problems. Well, we're having fun chatting, but we yeah. want to make sure the audience still has fun listening yes, to us true. chatting. <laughs> yeah. So normally we uh, we talk about our takeaway here, and I, I don't feel like we need to do that no. today. And, I think our whole conversation was a takeaway today. Exactly. Yeah. And, and we tend to give the guest the last word, and you two have both had your last word on what you would like people to know about gay being gay in canada that's true so i think we can wrap it up i think that's that's uh it is time to do that and i want to i want to thank scott for coming back and and joining us today well it's and, a pleasure and, and i get to meet you in person i know we actually get to talk in person <laughs> yeah now. this is really it's great not seeing you in like a little, a little square on yeah. screen. <laughs> oh he isn't just two pixels <laughs> yeah and i'd like to thank you john too for um asking the questions and uh coming up with i mean this was John came to me and said, listen, I've got all these questions that I'm dying to ask. And I thought, and I thought, well, we can talk about it. And then I, I don't even remember who suggested, like, we should do this on mic. And I, what a brilliant idea. Like, Then it must have been my idea. Um, probably not. But anyway. Uh, and I want to thank both of you for what I think, as I said at the beginning, this microcosm that should be the larger society where uh, a straight guy can feel comfortable asking potentially dumb questions. And there are some landmines you might, there are some landmines you might step on, but you know, we're in a safe space here yeah. where you will forgive me if I ask a, a dumb question and, and we'll maybe I'll get ribbed about it a bit yeah. and then we move on and we have our beer. And, and can I just say like, that needs to be the norm. Like we need to be open to being asked questions yeah. as a community on, on both ends of the spectrum. Right. Yeah. And, and um, if, if 
there's times where maybe you're going through something in your life where you're maybe not the best person to answer those questions, and that's fair. But if someone's coming at you with a genuine care to find out more about you and your community and your, and I mean, they might ask questions that don't come across right or, you know, could be taken offensive in some way, but it's as long as that's not their goal, they're not there to be offensive, roll with it and have that communication and let them learn something and let yourself learn something. And that's, I think I just did a takeaway. Amen, brother. (laughs) I think I discovered a takeaway because the queer community isn't monolithic. And what I answered might not be what the next Mm. queer person down the road would say. That's exactly why I wanted you to come and be part of this. I didn't want to be the only one answering questions. Because you might be wrong. Yeah. I mean, I'm not usually, but (laughs) no, I'm wrong all the time. Just don't ask Curtis about it. But anyway. I guess I I should come up with a takeaway then too. Well, you don't have to. No pressure. I mean, it's going to look bad if you don't now, but. My takeaway is, are we actually going to have a beer after this? I'm not a beer drinker, but maybe a I'm rose. Not either. Yeah. <laughs> nice rose. <laughs> That's not a stereotype. Yeah. Right? No, not Good. in my case. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> well, I just again I wanted to thank both of you for uh, for coming and doing this with me today, and uh, John for uh, really thinking out these questions and then throwing a few surprises at us as well throughout the, t- the time together here. And I want to thank you listener for joining us. Uh, today was a little bit different than what we normally do. And I hope that you enjoyed it. We'd certainly enjoyed having this conversation uh, for you to listen to. And we're going to be back next week with an actual guest again, a Canadian who's going to come and share their story with you. We're really excited for that to happen. And we hope you'll join us then. Take care. This has been Canada Out of the Closet. The show is produced and hosted by Travis Bozer and John Whitten. The creative consultant, Scott Blair. The theme song is Brighter Place by the Young Presidents. By the way, you'll find us both on Instagram and Facebook at Canada Out of the Closet, and that's all one word. If you have any questions or comments, reach out to us by email at canadaoutofthecloset.com at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another Canadian living out of the closet. <laughs>